Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Oklahoma Songwriters Podcast, where each week we find out just what makes our Oklahoma songwriters tick. If you've ever been interested in the process of how songs get written, or if you're a songwriter looking for tips and inspiration, then you are in the right place. I do one-on-one interviews with your favorite Oklahoma artists and dig into why and how they write their music. I'm your host, Jared Voluch, and I'm very, very happy you're here. Let's get started. All right, welcome to the Oklahoma Songwriters Podcast. As always, I'm Jared Veluch, and today we have Kenny Pitts, and Chad Franklin is going to be chiming in a little bit with us as well. So how are you doing today? Hey, I am doing good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. Heck yeah, man. It's good to have you guys out. Um, I heard you had some fun with traffic today. Yeah, <laughs> Highway 9 and its efforts to become a better road it held us back for quite a few minutes. But if you're in Oklahoma, this place has been under construction for years. Yeah, it seems like my entire life. I've lived in Norman off and on my entire life. I was born in this town and I'll <laughs> probably die in this town. Uh, but every, I don't know when the, ever since I can even remember anything, there's been so much work being done on these stupid highways. And, and that's a positive, people, for those out in podcast land. We're talking great about Oklahoma. We're yeah. talking about progress. Yes. So don't go telling ODOT we said anything. Pursuit of whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Just slowing me down. Um, so you were running around today putting up flyers, yeah. right? Putting up flyers down in Shawnee, Oklahoma, my hometown. We put them up around the city put up a few in Norman already. We'll put a few more up today. And yeah, we're getting ready for VZDs on September 14th for the CD release show. Kenny Pitts and the Raging Peacemakers. Awesome. And uh, I have gotten a preview of this record, you guys, and it is fantastic. The quality of sound, the production, the music is is amazing. You're And you're going to get a little sneak preview of one of his songs, My June, at the end of this episode. So I hope you guys will listen to that and very much so look forward to their release on September 14th. Yep. All right. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. A little bit about myself. I grew up in Shawnee, Oklahoma, so I'm an Okie. I moved out there when I was seven. I was born in California, so uh, born in the Bay Area, uh, California, Fremont, Hayward area, for those who might be familiar with that. But I am an Okie. To some people, I do have an accent. To some people, I don't. So <laughs> it just depends how far away I am from Oklahoma. If I'm all the way in California, they think I have an accent. Oh, yeah. Maybe if I'm in Montana, I don't have an accent. Right. I don't know. But my- Yankee. That's what, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Depending on where you're at. Yeah, I'm in the middle, middle of just about every spectrum there is. Political, <laughs> religion, you know, uh, soft drinks. Oh, man. I'm a Pepsi guy, unfortunately. I go both ways. People hate me for it. A lot of hatred for Pepsi out there. (laughs) There is. It's craziness. Um, So, yeah, you grew up in Shawnee. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Growing up in Shawnee was great. Uh, You know, made a lot of friends there. It's interesting because Shawnee has grown a lot, speaking of progress in Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm there not that often, but every time I'm there, it's like ballooning up and expanding like crazy. Yeah, the, uh, you know, the Grand Casino and a lot of the casinos there, uh, you know, the tribes are doing great things for the community and they're really growing up and helping the overall community. So I think, uh, I think it's a great thing. And, you know, moved there when I was seven from the Bay area. So that was a big change. I, mm, yeah. the one thing I knew as a seven year old was why does everything close at 6 PM or 5 PM when that didn't happen down in California? Yeah. Man, small town life or yeah. was small town life. Now it's a big town. Yep, and now things stay open till ten. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yep. Um, so shoot, I guess you went to high school and all that stuff. Yeah, Shawnee High School and uh, Shawnee Wolves, and the bassist uh, Wade. He went to Shawnee also. Awesome. And yeah, went there, and then I went to college down in ECU, down in Ada, which I have a song called Ada too. Uh, I I write what I know, so. Uh, nice. I think I, I, I write what I think I know. Yeah, I blew a full ride offer <laughs> from oh, wow. ECU when I was 19 years old. I thought I was, uh, man, when you think you're something special and you're really not Yeah. <laughs> to discover you're perfectly average. Hey, you're special. You have right? this great podcast. Yeah, and <laughs> now I can talk my... about how dumb I was. 
It's beautiful. Sorry, ECU. You guys were going to do great things for me, and I just let it go. It's never too late. You could do like a Billy Madison thing with college. I could. <laughs> Use that GI Bill and get back out there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like when did you uh, – when did you start writing music? Well, I started writing music in college. It's interesting. I uh, only started playing guitar at 17 years old. Nice. So I'd only been playing like a year or so before I wrote, but I'd always had a, a creative bone. And, you know, I talk about this sometimes. I don't talk about it a lot. But as a kid, I think I had a lot more insecurities. And so I wish I would have started that earlier i wish i would have started other things earlier you know like uh, even when i first started playing guitar other friends who played in the area and there was now that i look back there was a lot of people who played music and they said hey kenny come play with us and i was, thought i was so bad that i didn't want to play with them looking back now and this is what i'd like to say to anybody in music especially since we're talking about music but oh yeah when you're starting out, play with everybody you can, even if you think you're not good enough to play with them, because you will only get better. I held off that for quite a few years, for a long time, and I wish I would have played with everybody who asked, because you just learn things, you get better. You learn their styles that they're learning. You learn, you just learn teamwork and all kinds of things. So, you know, I, I wish I would have done that, but I didn't start writing songs until in the words that you know i'd always created riffs i remember riffs that i got on my first amp because it was a new sound it had a chorus effect and i remember the riff i was making on that and the things i made but writing songs and actually creating the storytelling it was probably about after my first or second year into my second year of college and i you know i don't know what started that fire i think just I think I just had to get it out and I didn't know why, you know, after my first year of college, my mom died. Mm. I don't know how that relates, but I know it did. Cause that riff oh, yeah. I was even talking about a second ago on my first amp, I remember playing that like the day she passed. And so maybe that's why I remember it more than just the amp. But, uh, you know, I don't know how it all affected that, but it did. And I've always been into multiple styles of music. Like I was a long haired kid then. I was Pantera. Pantera and Tesla were my favorite bands. Now, yeah, man. now my favorite artist <laughs> is Todd Snyder, who's, um, um, I think I like what he does because he's able to combine seriousness and humor. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I, I don't know if I don't, didn't copy that in any way. I think that's just what I did. And I think that's why I love him. Right. And so even my songwriting from the beginning with all those genres, I, it always talked about inner self, which going back to that other song you liked on there, The Other Side of Eden. Mm. I mean, I wrote that a long time ago and that's kind of, that's gotta be realms of my heavy metal instincts and in some of that songwriting too, you know, nice. cause even yeah, when, that. when we were recording it, <laughs> I was like, I didn't tell them note for note what to play. Uh, the studio musicians, but I told them I want somewhere between Garth Brooks and Ronnie James Dio. And, and damn it, they did it. That's beautiful, man. Um, yeah, I've I've seen a, a really common theme. You're talking about you were writing within like the first year or two mm -hmm. of you picking up the guitar, and probably because that stuff was always in you, like yeah. you said. But um, with your mother passing, man, I, I've found that. With almost all of us, it seems like the pain or something, just artists in general, we're pretty, we're pretty sensitive to the outside world. Mm -hmm. Not like weak, but more of a, just really in tune with emotion. I've always yeah. picked up on things. I've always felt like I can resonate well with others because I can, I just, there's a natural empathy yeah. there. Uh, and that was one of these things that the pain and uh, just emotions act as a compressor on your creativity. And so when you have something to say, like in a situation like that, you may have not even written specifically about your mother at that mm -hmm. time, but the pain of that situation, the heaviness of that is enough to just clamp down on you yeah. and create this like chamber of like creativity that bursts out of you. Yeah. Would that be me? That is that, is me. the ice cream man coming? He I is. didn't realize this. I believe that he is. Oh yeah. That's the one alarm I always forget to turn off. I forgot to do that this morning and it woke my wife up and it's uh, the Beach Boys <laughs> Kokomo because it's a pleasant one that won't disturb everybody, but it definitely wakes you up. Anyhow. Oh. <laughs> Babe, I don't know how you're that mad. It's the Beach Boys. All right. Let's party. 
Um, so I guess guitar was the first instrument you yes played. Yeah. It, okay. Uh, awesome. Did you do choir or anything like that? No. Before that, I never did choir. Uh, I just always. It's it's kind of like the song coming out somewhere, some deep inside of me. That song mm -hmm. is coming out, and we don't know where it's coming from. Like you just said, but I think the desire to play had always been inside of me, and then I just kind of part of that insecurity didn't. I always didn't want to tell everybody what I wanted. I mm -hmm. think my parents had to guess a lot what I wanted. Hey, you like that, Kenny? Hi, that's okay. So then they'd want to get it for me because I didn't have a lot of asks. I didn't ask them a lot, mm -hmm. and maybe I should have. But I just, I uh, maybe I didn't know myself. I didn't know what I wanted, so other people had to get it out of me, and then I became spoiled in in a negative way with that insecurity that spoiled that. Uh, oh, I I'm just fine on my own without asking for this, without going for what I wanted. But I remember at a young age, even watching MTV. Even this, this one point is crazy because I remember watching a Duran Duran video and they're not even by far my favorite band or anything, but I just remember watching videos on MTV of bands like that, especially their reflex video thinking, oh yeah, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. It should be somebody else from what I like and who I really follow now. But I remember watching that video, Duran Duran, and thinking, I want to do that. And that sticking in my head throughout those years, but never acting upon it watching right. more, watching shows about people who are into music and in my love for acting too. Uh, and, um, you know, because there's the same high I get, I'm going all over the place here for you, but when I'm writing a song and it's flowing, there's almost like this high, this tingle I get in the back of my head when it's going smooth. Oh yeah. I don't know how to explain that, but it's like, man, I can't even stop. I have to stay right here and do this until I hit this roadblock or wherever it stops. And it's also the same uh, feeling that I get when I'm acting and it's a really good role that I like. It's like, nice. it's just this high that I get in the back of my head that I can't explain. And uh, I'm not on drugs at those times. So I know <laughs> right. that those are my drugs. That's something real. Yeah. So that's awesome. When did you start acting? You know, I, uh, my group outsiders productions out of Shawnee too. Uh, we've done, uh, uh, we're doing a show called play it loud for all you musicians. Oh, out yeah. there. Please check that out, play it loud. And you can also submit through that. Maybe we'll touch more on that here in a bit too. Uh, but, uh, I've been acting since college and I did one play in college, realized I wasn't a play guy and I did a lot of video acting with, uh, friends and then my buddies uh, who are also part of Outsiders Productions, the majority of them, uh, Adam Hampton and uh, Jason Alexander, they also went to ECU. Ah, nice. And we all missed you, Jerry. Yeah, could have been there, man. <laughs> Dang it. And uh, we just started acting. I acted in a lot of people's projects. Even when I wasn't in their classes, I'd go and act. And then we got out of college and uh, you know started doing Outsiders Production stuff. And uh, always acted within the group and didn't need to do any of that professionally. You didn't have headshots, didn't have any of that because we cast ourselves within. And right. it was only until about two or three years ago that I got, did the, did the routine, got the headshots, got the resume and the agent and started doing more commercials. And, uh, but just been acting since college, since, uh, do I want to put a time frame to limit me or do we want the world to think I'm young and immortal? <laughs> but since 2000, you know, before the 2000s when I was in college and I always loved that. And uh, here's a here's a trivia bit for you. If you watch the Thunder Games and you saw that uh, commercial with the father and his son shooting the rocket off into space, I'm the dad in that video. Rock on. There it is. So my thousands of dollars are coming in weekly. <laughs> Not Rocket dad. <laughs> Sorry, Elton. Oh, man. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so when did you actually start performing then? I started performing in the early uh, 2000s. There was probably one or two gigs in college that, uh, you know, there was one thing, extracurricular group called ECU Rock Ensemble, and we had one gig, and we played uh, uh, Mustang Sally. Yeah. We played uh, the... Paul McCartney and Guns N' Roses. What is that? Uh, oh, what did uh, they do together? Gotta, no, not together, but they covered uh, the Beatles or, or McCartney song. Ah, oh, 
Okay. What'd you do, Axel? When you got a job to do, you got to do it well. You got to give the other brother hell. Chad's going to chime in. I can feel it. Live and let die. Yes. Hey, yeah. <laughs> and if you called in, you win $1,000 to guess that. Uh, live and let die. We did that and, uh, you know, a couple others. And I remember I was just, I played the G chord, I think all the way through live and let die. I, did, I didn't know what I was doing. And then we had this other thing called Tiger Tangles where uh, me and this other guy, and I'm going deep here. I shouldn't even mention <laughs> these. Me and this other guy named Tyler, we called ourselves, and I wasn't even singing then. I was just playing because uh, I, uh, God forbid, I sang then, but uh, I wouldn't let myself do it. And so we did uh, uh, I Just Want to Fly by uh, mm, you know, Sugar yeah. Ray. And I was so nervous doing that. It was crazy. Just two chords, an extra three chord every now and then. And oh, I was ner- it was nerve wracking. And then around the 2000s, me and uh, a couple other friends, Adam from Outsiders Productions, we started a rock band called Superheroes in Training around the 2000s and we played around like Shawnee that. and Oklahoma City and you know when we made it to the Samurai we thought we made it everybody at that time you know probably remember, I remember yeah I still remember, remember Itchy, the Samurai <laughs> we thought we made it and we just we're here we played Teddy's Battle of the Bands and that's where I met uh, Aaron Newman back then mm, he's, yeah. he's he's playing he was booking some stuff and he got us onto that and it, it's it's cool how the community is uh sticking together after all this time and there's a lot of people i knew back then and it's really cool to see them but uh yeah superheroes in training we started playing around and then uh, that fizzled out at the band broke up and basically right after the band broke up we started outsiders productions okay started working on films and Very started cool. acting more within the group and uh i always wrote on the back burner and, and i played a few acoustic gigs but it was always on the back burner it was always and we're talking probably the 2003, four and five era. And it was only when people would ask, you know, friends were putting together a gig. Hey, Kenny, do you want to, uh, mm, open jump in on yeah. this? Yeah. I'd play my acoustic folk, weird country stuff, uh, you know, on heavy metal shows. And it always <laughs> stuck out because it was different. So yeah, it was kind of cool. Remember to do me. That. Yeah. <laughs> and so then, you know, that was, uh, you know, 2005 and so, and, I used to play when after JJ's Jeff Rogers he took that over from, oh, yeah. at, from D's Pub. I remember playing there a lot. That was like my favorite bar for the longest time. I was always going there after work, and Jeff booked me quite a few times there to play then. And just the the music went on the back burner even more after all the movie and acting stuff. I gotcha. Yeah, uh, man. I talk about. I feel like I talk about JJ's all the time on here because I'm. <laughs> I mean, I'm there every Sunday. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, pretty much, anyways. I must have run into you then. Uh, we must have seen each other and just bumped elbows, right? Oh, I mean, at some point, maybe. I really. I didn't start going to JJ's till probably within the last two years, oh, three gotcha. years. Yeah. Uh, and so, but yeah, we may have walked right by each other, yeah. man. It's hard <laughs> to say. Uh, but that place has just got its own magic little vibe. Oh yeah, yeah within the community and it's I don't even know how anybody would go about trying to recreate that thing yeah well even as big as uh, Bricktown is growing obviously there's going to even be more on the other road from Mm -hmm. Sheridan as much as Bricktown is growing all around I'm glad Jeff can keep it the way it is even though it's growing it's it's growing and expanding with the patio and things and but it still has the same vibe so you know happy about that Jimmy the Hat still doing his thing, and oh, he's yeah. he's the staple down there. It's a Seven Day Rebellion with Blake. Oh yeah, so those guys. All I say Yahoo's. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your, you know, songwriting for you. Okay, what is? Let's start with the, what it is for you. Like, uh, is it a stress reliever? Is it a? I mean, I, I know we talked a little bit about that, but what do you use it for now? What do I use it for? Oh, Sorry, man. that's a big one. Yeah, that, that is a big <laughs> it one. It catches people off guard when I ask it that way. Well, no, no, it's a great question, and I feel like I'm going to be like that guy in Mystery Men who uh, who switches when you doubt your power. You give power <laughs> to your doubts, which is Wes Studi from Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. And, uh, no, I think what it does for me, uh, I think... I 
do it for it. I think it's there and kind of pushing me. I think it's uh, constantly there. and So it gives you life kind of thing. gives me life. It's a celebration. It's therapy. I think it's it's both. It's, it's a time killer during, you know, during work, uh, driving to work, the old day job I used to have. I, mm, yeah. You know, I used to get questions of how I write. Hey, do you write the music first? Do you write the words? Uh, and it can go either way. Like on the car, voice memos are great because now I don't have to worry about writing something down, a mm-hmm. lyric. I just pick my voice memos up and just record this ridiculous, horrible sound. <laughs> and then I can kind of uh, chip away oh, whatever yeah. the heck it is. And yeah, you know there's there. something in there. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, so, you know, I think it's more than what it is for me, what, what I am for it. Now I don't even like the way that sounds, but it's a it's, it, it's a feeling. It's like uh, it's a mood uh, enhancer. It's like a mood ring. It's kind of like you're it shooting out of your ring whatever you're feeling at that time. And I think that's what it is: a mood and a feeling. Like whether it's a comedy song, whether it's a, a serious song, I think you need to get it out. And Mike Hosty, I'll name drop oh, him. Yeah, he had this uh, he had this thing in one of our episodes of Play It Loud. Go check that out. Sorry that too much i don't know but do it. uh, it's he, something that's really important for oklahoma oh, thank you thank you he uh mike hosty said uh, he talked about comedy and because he's a great musician and he's funny yeah and he talked Eat about mac and cheese yeah he, he <laughs> talked about playing at a show and they may not remember your song they may not remember what you said but they remember how you feel and i think that's what you're doing inside yourself when you're writing a song mm-hmm. you're remembering how you feel and you're writing it down. So songwriting is kind of like waking up and trying to remember the dream that you can't remember. I don't know if I've really ever thought about that before now, but it's what you're doing is you're 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 a filter. It could even be psychic. You could even be channeling what your soul is trying to tell you. Yeah. And that's why maybe the first draft is not right because you're trying to remember that feeling that just came to you, but it's probably not just coming to you. It's probably been inside of you and now you're reminding yourself that you had that feeling. I like that. I think that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. And I think all my songs are one song in the end, and I'm just writing each part to it in different areas. There you go. I like that too. So I don't know. Maybe I'm doing that, or maybe I don't know what the hell I'm doing, and it's just I'm just uh, spitting out lyrics. Homie, I'm with you. (laughs) No, something you said really reminds me of something that I try to remember and for any aspiring artists out there, you need to remember, and you actually probably understand this a little more in depth than most being that you're an actor, um, how important it is how you make that audience feel. Mm-hmm. They may not remember your words. They may not remember the tunes, but they might remember, They'll everybody remembers how you made them feel mm-hmm. in that moment. And that's something that's huge because I've, I remember every, I feel like every artist goes through this phase of like, I hate that, you know, I have to write, everybody asks me why I write sad songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they they want you to do up more upbeat stuff because people want to forget their problems. They don't come to you to make, so they can feel worse. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, but it's this thing where, you know, whether you want to be or not, if you're out there playing in front of people, that's your job is yeah. to help. You're there to serve. And if you're, if you can remember that you're actually there to serve, not just to be served you're not there to just play your music you're there to make other people feel better or to feel what they need to feel mm-hmm. um so it's very much so a show it's very much so something for other people you're tr- yeah i and i'm going to add to that because you're truly acting when you're up there even oh, if yeah. you're yourself even if you say you're not you're playing that persona that is you like pro wrestling i use this as an example of entertainment a lot the people who are the best pro wrestlers are the one who use the gimmick that's closest to themselves. Mm-hmm. So in music, it's kind of reverse. You're playing yourself, but you have to uh, you have to perform for these people, and you're not letting them in on every part of your life. No, with your songs, you're letting them into a lot of it, but you are performing, and you have a persona, even if you don't realize that you're you're still acting a little bit, 
And I can't explain that because some people will be like, no, no. But the best yeah. actors are the ones who do it natural. Yeah, you're accentuating the best part of yourself. Yes. And you take it to another level. That's what. That's how I always think about it. I'm like, I know that I have to be myself on stage. I know that I can't. Well, like this podcast, for instance, I'm not acting right now, but I'm I'm trying to bring the best side of myself to these interviews to 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 draw the best effect and create something that people actually want to listen to. Yeah. You know, so it's never a thing where I'm, you know, I'm never, never bullshitting anybody, mm -hmm. but I'm always trying to like bring an energy and a life and give my spirit and my, my energy away to people. And that's cause that's what they came for. Yeah. So if the record button was not on right now, we would be saying different things. We yeah. wouldn't be having certain filters on when you're in front of, front of your grandma, you don't say the same things that you say at no. JJ's alley. No, grandma doesn't hear the word bullshit. Yeah. So <laughs> you're you're acting and which one is real though? No. Which is the more real you? Is the one who wouldn't say the things in front of your grandma the real you? Or you uh, at JJ's alley, which is the real you? Maybe they both are the real you and you choose to pick who's going to be on that microphone at that time. Yeah. And maybe that's why we're all uh, convoluted and confused at times because... We say we're one way when we're the other way, and then we go back and forth. Yeah. It's getting deep. Getting deep in here. And that's why songs <laughs> change attitudes whenever you play it at one gig or the next. And because you may be uh, grandma's boy at one, you may be uh, bar boy at the other, and you might, you might have just watched an episode of Friends and be influenced by that. Now you're friend's boy. Nice. I don't know. <laughs> I like it. Um, so you kind of touched on this already, but so your musical kind of writing process is however it comes out of you at the moment. Not, yeah, it's yeah. not any kind of strict regiment or anything like that. Um, no. One thing that I do, I wonder, like, do you have a a weird thing, a or something that makes you unique about the way you write, or do you feel like there is a, a different thing that you do that maybe other people don't do, or? You know, I don't know about that. I uh, I think there might be. I think one of the things I do, and I'll preface it with saying, I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm not doing anything new, even with the full band. It's just like, you know, we're playing country and adding rock to it. For yeah. years, everybody was saying, that's, hey, we're doing something new, and we're at doing this, and nah, that ain't new. But uh, I want to go to my, I wanted to say that about that. Uh, not making fun of that, because there's a time and place for everything, but I don't know if I'm doing anything new, but one of the things that I do with the songwriting and even in any group setting that I'm with or even just talking, figuring something out, I brainstorm the shit out of things. And when I brainstorm the shit out of things, there's a lot of shit that comes out. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm not yeah. afraid of that. Some people don't know how to Sit deal with that with yeah. me because why did Kenny just talk about a donkey and an igloo right there? What does that mean? But I like to brainstorm things see even even in just talking about it you're like where the hell did that come from but uh just because it prompts the person you're talking to to brainstorm and build and build off of it prompts me to do that and i like yeah. to get everything out it's kind of like you 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 don't start a sculpture with an image on it already you start a sculpture of rock out of just a straight flat piece of rock yeah. So you have to take so much excess off. And so that's what I like to do when I brainstorm. I will just sh shit out uh, all kinds of words and all kinds of parts of the song that end up not being on it. And yeah. I, th I think I just get so much out and then I chip away from there. I used to be, oh, the way it comes out is the way it's going to be and I'm not going to change it. And for some reason, I just stuck with that for so long years ago. And I was like, ah, that's the wrong way because I change, you know, going back to what we said a second ago, I'm a different person here, here, here. And I don't like the way that is now. And why have that as a principle if I'm not feeling that now to yeah. stick with my songwriting? So I just like to get everything out. And I would not want anybody, I know Kurt Cobain has like his diary or his notebooks out there years oh, ago. Yeah, yeah. And I would never want that because it would be, uh, it would be so ridiculous to see you know, oh. first renditions of my songs, it would just be like, well, why the yeah. heck did he put those in there? Why was that verse in there? It's 
but I think, I don't know if that's any, like I said, I don't know if that's any different than a lot of other people, but I just like to just throw everything on the piece of paper and see what happens. That's awesome. What's funny, I actually use that same kind of metaphor whenever I tell people about songwriting and about the process of getting better as a musician. It's like, you're always chipping away. You're always sharpening the knife. You're always, you're never a fully formed thing. And your songs always are changing a little bit and evolving. Or you, Because you develop, you get a song, you get it set, and you're good. Mm-hmm. From that moment on, without even realizing it, you're tweaking things here and there. It's yeah. like, well, I don't take a breath here anymore before I, mm-hmm. in this verse, because I realize that it it, it distracts from mm-hmm. the energy. Or I, I, you know, I sing a little louder here yeah. or a little softer here. I let my voice crack naturally here. Mm-hmm. Those little things that be, that turn a song into something that's just, people think that voice breaks and crackly noises and the like are natural in people's voices and to to their credit sometimes they are but they're still controlling those little things those little enhancements that make a song feel more personal mm-hmm. you know um, and that's something that yeah you're always doing that that's awesome um oh cuz one uh, another thing i wanted to talk about that you do that's a little it's not necessarily unique but it is something that i find Almost every songwriter I know has trouble with this, and that is writing lighthearted material. Oh, thank two, you. Two of the songs on this record are kind of lighthearted, and uh, like I, I really enjoyed them because I, over the last couple of years, I've been more and more fascinated by material that's not necessarily just serious mm-hmm. or has. And even even in the funny songs, there are serious messages, but like it's the way you do it. It's oh, the way you, you bring light to something that can be serious. And that's that in its in and of itself is a gift and truly an, a gift that people take for granted. They don't they think that, you know, anybody can say something funny in a conversation, but to be able to convey that through your music yeah. is an entirely another matter. Well, thank um, you. And so how do you kinda when you go to a song and you tell yourself like we're going to make the donkey igloo song, you know, yeah. how do, how do you develop that? And like, you know, what is your process for something when your desire is to make it lighthearted or to make it more entertaining and not just like a, a serious sentimental message or something? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and you made me even think about the song, the song I have on there, Cage Fighter, mm-hmm. uh, which is a humorous song. It, I used it's to call hilarious. it. I, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to call it Talking Shawnee Cage Fighting Blues because it's kind of along those, uh, you know, one piece at a time. Todd Snyder's Talking Seattle Grunge Rock Blues. And then Dylan has like those talking, mm-hmm. walking blues. And uh, it's not a blues song, but that's just what they called it for the you know, some of those folk songs that are like that. But uh, it's a true story. My friend, uh, buddy from the Outsiders Productions, Adam, and that's you know, the same guy host <laughs> Play Aloud. <laughs> we were at a bar one night, and this cage fighter wanted to start fighting with him. And even before the song, I had my issues with uh, the classic uh, person who wears Tap Out and the Affliction T-shirt. Nothing wrong with any of those, but when they're combined with the... Uh, bully mentality that I see a lot in some of the small towns, Mm -hmm. you know, then that's problematic and humorous. So, but this guy wanted to start a fight with my friend and his other friend was with him and all the other friend was saying, he's just a cage fighter. He's had a rough week and he's just trying to let off some steam. And we're like, and I remember saying me and my friends, we're not fighters. We, we don't care. And so, but it was just like the other cage fighter guy didn't care and then i we looked over there and after it was settled down before we left he's still in the bar and he's kind of working on moves on his friend on the other side of the bar like arm bars and stuff standing up and i'm like oh this is ridiculous and i, I didn't plan on writing the song that night it just came out later on and, how can it not <laughs> yeah and, and what's funny is that same uh, d-bag cage fighter i remember seeing him the very next morning with his grandma at the golden corral you know, he went and eaten, and I don't know why that was funny to me because, I mean, everybody should eat at the Golden Corral with their grandma, but yeah. just seeing him, and he just had a tap-out tattoo on his neck. I mean, that's true, and he had the Affliction shirt, 
And uh, that's a commitment <laughs> right there. And, and, you know, but the funny thing about that song is people who do have tap out tattoos like the song that aren't bullies. They're like, oh man, I even got this tap, tap out tattoo. And well, a lot of people are capable of laughing at themselves and understanding yeah. that a point in, at a point in their lives, they too were douchebags. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I've been a douchebag. I have a full sleeve of tattoos, so I get it. <laughs> but the, the chorus on that song, it came out all very quick. You know, if you're going to live in this town of mine, it was, the, it was basically the true comedic take on that and you know i don't even know if i initially wrote it as a comedy going back to just throwing it all out there brainstorming it out mm -hmm. i remember it just came out if you're you know doing if you're gonna live in this town of mine you got to be tough and advertise and uh, it, then as it came along obviously it was going to be comedic and what's funny about that is i've made these video teasers for the songs coming out and the one for cage fighter so it shows the chorus and that's the first haters I've got online talking about that. One of them was like, uh, one of them was a, uh, he was, I looked on his page and it was like, he's this uh, sure punk metalhead guy. Oh. But what he posted on that, he was like, I hate when this fucking shit comes across my page. And I'm just like, well, why, why did you, he wrote that on the, Mm -hmm. posted that on the video and i'm like why did you even post that i don't i'm trying not to escalate anything until i get to a podcast and then i call the guy out oh yeah no. now's the time brother. <laughs> but uh you know I, I just let it go but it was just funny i'm like all right my first hater and then uh the next day there was another post from somebody completely different it was like country musicians have the worst lyrics ever but what I'm thinking about is like, do they think I'm serious with that song? Then I take myself out of that. And if I was serious with that song, it would just be hilarious. I would make fun yeah. of that guy. But it's it's a comedic song. And it's like, you know, if if you're going to talk about the movie Anchorman and your biggest gripe is that it's a stupid movie, then, you know, that's not a legitimate critique of that movie. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's uh, honestly, if you're getting people that are saying stuff, that's good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, even if they're bashing, yeah. it's like, dude, hey, at least I'm out here doing it. You're sitting at home probably with your guitar telling yourself how fantastic you play yeah. and not recording a single lick and not putting a single thing out there for people to listen yeah, to. Maybe, maybe. You know, they're they're just uh, people like that remind me that, what is it? Somebody called it something like the uh, armchair quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, always screaming at the TV, telling the players <laughs> what they should be doing. It's like, well, yeah. they're out there and you're in here. So you can fire away from your keyboard all you want. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, adding to that, I, you know, it was it soon found itself to be total comedy. Mm -hmm. But people, even with that comedy, really liked it. It was even when I was on stage playing in those backburner days when I wasn't, you know, putting it on the forefront and just putting it behind the the outsiders production stuff and the acting stuff when i would play gigs people would request that song of course and that's the one they wanted i'm like why can't you request my serious song but i'm not gonna gripe at that because i was loving that people remembered it yeah people and, love and when you can bring a little bit of joy yeah to their lives in whatever form that is i there's a song that i wrote when i was uh good god probably 20 21 and I still play it today. Mm -hmm. And it's called Lost Toys. It's about um, it's uh, it's about going bald. But <laughs> the uh, the first couple lines, it always gets people giggling, and it always that's when I I notice that in that point at that point of the song, that's when people engage. Hmm. That's when I capture them. Um, and it's because I say when I was young, I was dumb. I guess I really haven't changed that much. Um, <laughs> and then it the next word will be the next the end of the next. Uh, versus like because my girlfriend points it out a bunch and oh. everybody because you know inevitably guys are out with their girls yeah. girls are out with their guys or, and, and whatever the case people are on first dates and they're like <laughs> yeah yeah and it's beautiful uh that's kind of like some robert earl keen type of humor too mm -hmm. he has uh, a few things you know lines like that that bring it back and that's kind of cool well it reminded me that you said you didn't even realize the chorus was like comedy necessarily until you started playing it yeah well and i mean before i played it live I i'm sure you yeah. discovered it before yeah. but like as you wrote it like you're you didn't think about it until it was already out yeah and that was the same way for me with that song i wrote yeah. it and i was like 
I mean, that's kind of funny, but I don't have that gauge. I'm like, I don't, I wonder if people will laugh at this is mostly what I thought. Yeah. And like, sure enough, like, Hey, when I make fun of myself, <laughs> yeah, people, totally. people laugh. So it, it just cracks me up. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about for sure was your, uh, the recording process for you during this, uh, cause that's pretty interesting. Um, because you guys at the end of this podcast, when you listen to my June will realize how nice this music actually sounds too. Thank you. On top of it being good music, it's, it's really well done and really well recorded and produced. How did, uh, so tell us a little bit about that process. Well, I uh, got with Zach Malloy of, of the band, the Nixons, and uh, yeah. he was the producer who produced it down in Nashville. And I had met him at the songwriters fest uh, the year before last. And he started talking songs and uh, he liked some of my songs and just uh, said, Hey, you need to get some good recordings. Cause even at that time, it, even more of the back burner area, I was kind of just doing this to, make and pitch to bigger artists to try to sell once i got it back i was really gave me the confidence and happiness and i wanted to play myself right get the band and so to the recording basically what i uh, sent to uh what i sent to them instead of just being like note for note here's what you want to do and i sent them just my voice and the acoustic guitar and just wanted to give them the mood instead of note for note because i had the notes in the you know play a little bit of riff as i'm playing uh the guitar too i sent a mood and and i was like uh i told him this was like oh, i wish i had that note here like oh, a, a a country ballad mixed in with a like a, almost a power ballad type of feel and even like a modern like hitting three areas power ballad that uh, classic uh, 90s, 80s country feel, and even a modern uh, Howie Day type of feel too, mm. which I wanted, uh, which I don't have a lot of acoustic in it. Uh, but that's kind of what I sent them. And I wish I had the other notes to tell you guys. But, uh, you know, and I told them what it was about too, to give them the idea of... So you did all this remote, basically. You sent, Did you send them tracks? Yeah, I sent them those two tracks and then I went down and spent a week down ah, and okay, recorded okay. it with them. And, uh, uh, you know, they had a mandolin player, banjo, lead guitar, slide, drums. And these studio musicians were just so awesome. You know, he put together a great team. And I remember my June was the first one we recorded. And I remember being in the uh, recording booth because the only other time that I have played my June, this is interesting and this will be a, a funny thing with other than a bass and a uh, guitar was <laughs> old school. What's that uh, bar that's on the corner of Paseos a little bit Northeast is the rooster uh, ah, right across from where the root was now. But anyways, a long, long time ago, Aaron Newman used to <laughs> run an open mic there and he had a saxophone player there. And so the saxophone player played my June with me. And I remember, oh man, that's a great sax sound too. That, And so going back to the recording, I'm sitting there and uh, the studio musicians are playing all at once. And I'm just kind of amazed because I've never heard it with this production all at once. They went back in and hit other pieces, but you know, they were playing it all at once with the instruments they had. And I was like, man, I feel so happy with what they're doing on even this the first beats the second beats and it was just amazing i was like at first it was a shock like a split second i was like oh <laughs> yeah. what's going on here this isn't oh it is you know hearing all the extra in instruments and those guys were uh i think we did it in two takes because i just sang at that time for a scratch track to kind of be the conductor to keep them right, right, going right. on but they didn't even need that they had it what they had going down and uh then I think we just, after that second take, they would just say to the uh, engineer, hey, play that back. I got a riff right here. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. they were layering it. And that's, you had mentioned this earlier, you know, uh, all the instruments coming together and the way they layered it and the way they panned it and leveled it. Once it was even done, I was like, man, it even sounds so much better. And I was just happy about it. And and so the recording process was just uh, was just awesome because without telling them note for note what to play, I gave them all these moods and how it made me feel and how I wanted them to feel. As goofy as that may be, I'd rather do that than just play, hey, play this riff right here, you know? 
and they uh they performed and they came back with that mood that i wanted so nice because i could tell them a note but they may not have a feeling with that note and so i gave them the mood and the other side of eden i mentioned this uh they i told them you know i want garth brooks meets you know garth brooks meets ronnie james dio and, and damn it they did that and i remember uh just thinking man this is like a country song in hell so <laughs> i don't know why you know uh well yeah it's good i liked it sorry i hate to no, toot my own horns but process, i just really liked it it sounds amazing um and man it worked because oh, i mean it's a great great record well thank you thank you um now we also talked a little bit earlier while we were kind of warming up the system um we talked about having good people around you mm -hmm. um as speaking of chad franklin chad over here franklin. um who is the drummer i yep. believe right yeah. yes sir. beating them skins uh-huh yeah he uh right after i was done recording and kind of made the decision to want to get a band together i uh you know i reached out to uh wade anderson who plays with they both play in uh Patrick Winsett and the Foolish Pride Band now too. They're, okay. they're double dutying it, like a lot of people are. Multiple people are playing in like three, you know, four bands. Yeah, four to stuff. five, all three. Yeah, you know, a lot. And so I reached out to Wade because Wade and I had jammed over a couple of years, uh, and we always got along well. And I always liked their uh, rhythm section with Patrick. And but I had first reached out to Wade, and I didn't know Chad then either. You know, uh, I actually had another drummer lined up uh, that we were going to start jamming with. Uh, not that Chad's consolation, but it's just the way the, <laughs> just, you know, contacts and knowing people. And it didn't work out with that guy. And, How are you feeling right now, Chad? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Wade was like, hey, let's bring Chad in. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, and we started jamming because I always, we jammed one time at, uh, what's that, the Hoot Nanny at the old Iron Horse when oh, nice. uh, a bunch of bikers came up in the middle of my song and just started getting on the mic. And, you Been know, there. part of that escalation <laughs> is like, uh, I don't want to escalate, but I'm definitely not going to escalate and hold my own when it's bikers. You know, you just kind of got to let, you know, oh, yeah, you got to let them do their thing. When they have themselves and their 10, 15 friends. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> like okay, well, cool. This is your moment. <laughs> but we had played before and, and I always loved the way they backed uh, with Patrick Winsett's band too. And they had just this powerful sound. And so I was like, hell yeah, bring Chad along. And we started jamming and then Wade brought his brother russell in who's just this really he's new to playing he hasn't really played a lot of gigs but he's very flashy and blues oriented and uh, we just did a cover of voodoo child at a woodstock festival two weeks ago and he oh, you know he killed it and he brings yeah. this you know i, I bring uh, uh i don't know singer songwriter folk rock type of feel to it and russell brings a a blues just flashy awesome guitar and Wade and Chad, they bring this just solid, uh, almost a cross between like uh, that old school Alabama feel type of uh, just this strong, not that we sound like Alabama, but this strong backing of this pounding, you know, mm -hmm. in your face. I mean, that awesome is the sound. backbone, man. If finding good bass players, finding good drummers is probably one of the hardest things to do. I mean, I can... You can throw a rock and find a guitar player. No <laughs> offense, guys. You're all fantastic. Ouch. <laughs> but, I mean, everybody, you know, kids grow up thinking, man, I want to be a lead guitar player. You know, uh, I've, I've always been probably most jealous of bass players. Yeah. Because drummers, man, you guys got your work cut out for you. You're working your, your asses off back there. And the bass players, yes, you guys are working your asses off, but... You get to enjoy the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bass players get to just enjoy the show and groove, man. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've really first noticed that with uh, Dave Matthews Band guy. Because mm -hmm. if you ever watch watch any live show, any live concert with him, he's just walking around back there. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I know nobody sees me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's just, and you can see him really just, he struts around on stage behind, in between like Carter and Dave. And he's just like, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah the sax player yes. and he's just having a good time and i'm like man so i've always been jealous of that because uh i mean with as much work as everybody in the band does i will say you know being the lead guy 
being the lead singer, being you know, uh, being the personality in front of the band is <sighs> that spotlight is a rough. It's a rough place to be, yeah, you know. Uh, you yeah, you gotta. <laughs> you, right, you're. I mean, it's like uh, it's like working on the race car versus being the guy that has to drive the damn thing. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there's just a lot of pressure up there, man. And you forget things like uh, I'll go back to Chad since he's here. And if he wasn't, but he keeps things together. Like he'll oh, re yeah. he'll remember things on the album that I'd forgotten on the record. Hey, remember we did this note here? And I'm like, oh yeah, we did that. There's that pause here. And so you know, especially playing live, man, you be in the moment and forget things. And well, yeah, that's that's the <laughs> other huge benefit because you got Chad back here, yeah. keeping you on track. Yeah. Whenever you miss a step or whatever it is. Um, because you're you're thinking about you know mm -hmm. oh man I need to say this thing or I need to do whatever yeah. um, especially when interacting with the crowd and stuff like they keep they keep stuff going man yeah. you can't there's just no show without it <laughs> I, I wish he could re tell me uh, when I need to put my capo on sometimes I'll forget <laughs> to put the capo on and that, well it's only happened once at the Norman Music Fest our very first gig they took a chance on us yes. and let us play so it was kind of an honor to play. Blue Bonnet, Norman Music Fest, but uh, our very last song, I forgot to put the capo on. And I'm like, why Why are these guys not sounding? Why are they in the wrong key? What are you doing? <laughs> and it was me. <laughs> the whole time it was me. Man. <laughs> but we recovered. Yeah, we've all been there. It sucks. <laughs> sucks to be wrong out in the front. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. Uh, so let's talk about uh, My June. Okay. A little bit. Let's talk about your writing process for that. How did that song kind of come about? And then tell us uh, the story behind it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you. I was living in Midwest City at some apartments. And I was watching an interview, uh, a documentary about Johnny Cash. And it was Christofferson talking. Uh, that's Chris Christofferson, not to be confused <laughs> with Cornelius Christofferson, the other guy. Uh. But it was Chris Christofferson, and he was talking about Johnny Cash. And... He said these words that uh, Johnny Cash could have done it life, basically, everything he did. He could have done it without the booze. He could have done it without the drugs. He could have done it without the music, uh, without all the craziness, but he couldn't have done it without June. Mm. And so I wrote that song that night, all in one sitting, and it just came out. And uh, since then, you know, it's been one of my, a lot of my friends think that's one of my best ones too, that, that they like, that they request. Uh, I hate when people say that. Hey, a lot of people tell me it's, <laughs> it's not a pyramid scheme. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a lot of my friends had requested it, but back to it, you know, I wrote it in one night and uh, it just came out. And what I noticed as I was writing that, I remember, uh, you know, I, w I wasn't as confident in my voice then either. This is quite a few years ago, but I remember with that song, I felt like something new was coming out, you know, something new that I hadn't had out before. And there's even a bridge in there that I cut out of the song for like over a decade because I was never comfortable singing it myself, even though mm. I created it. I was like, ah, I can never get that, do that. And I never could recreate that live. So I cut it out completely until the recording. And I was like, I think I'm going to put that back in. And I felt comfortable to do it uh, in the studio. And in the studio, it was like my adrenaline was on, my confidence was at its high, and I fell in love uh, with the process and doing it. And even my own flaws, I was like, I like the way that sounds, you know? Nice. With, with some of the way it to happened. To be able to embrace it is... Yeah. And so uh, the My June came out and uh, all in one night. And, you know, it just, uh, it means a lot because... Uh, you know, it's tied in with me too. I was one of those, I didn't talk about dating and things a lot. I was kind of the perpetual single guy and uh, I didn't like to talk about my personal life. So that was probably my biggest uh, talk about uh, love life in song. And I'm more of a private guy. And I think that's why going back to what you said about humor, why I might be inclined to do it well is because I think I tried to woo the world with uh, comedy. Mm -hmm. And as I got older, I'm like, oh, I need to stop that as much because I'm coming off like a dipshit. <laughs> but I still, I can't help it. I, funniness comes out of me sometimes, a little bit too much. But uh, back to my June again, I, uh, 
it was probably a little more honest than I'd had prior to that as far as the songs I played in front of people. Right. And uh, it's just uh, get like, and I'll have to say this on here, giving thanks, giving gifts, but no midnight kisses. It's basically running the holiday gambit of uh, Thanksgiving and then giving gifts for Christmas and then kissing at midnight at uh, New Year's. It kind of ran those. And some people have thought it's talking about Thanksgiving gifts. Mm. But I can't say the word comma when I'm singing it, so they don't. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we'll start that. I don't know that there's a comma in it. So uh, some of the songwriting in there, I was like, oh, I never thought about that because I knew what it meant. Sometimes when you know what something means, sometimes it doesn't matter what you intended. And right. I learned this at a seminar and learned this term or saying at a seminar and Dead Center Film Festival like a decade ago. But it doesn't matter what you intended. What matters is what it's become. And I think that rings true with any form of entertainment or art that's out there. It doesn't matter what you meant it to be. What now matters is what it means to people. And I remember somebody uh, listening to that song and saying, oh, that's so sad, Kenny. And I was like, yeah, I guess it is a sad song. I just thought it was a, a great uh, commentary on what Christofferson said about Johnny Cash bringing it into my life and how that would feel. Mm. And uh, yeah. That's kind of the process that happened with their, uh, that song. And in, in my mind, I think of, uh, it wasn't even snowing at the time I wrote it, but I think that I'm in a cabin in the snow when that song is on. Nice. Yeah. I could see that. It's a feeling that you build into it, man. Yeah. Um, shoot, I think we're getting close to the end here. I want to talk about, uh, take one more chance to, ask you one thing um do you have any kind i always love to ask this question do you have any tips or advice for songwriters out there something to that you think you could offer um to anyone who's out there aspiring to write or who's just interested in the process or just wants to know more about it or anything like that it's a uh just a moment to impart something to the people yeah, I've got a couple tips. I think I can. I think I can do that. I feel good <laughs> at that. I got a couple things I want to say. Uh, yeah, technology, and I'm talking all the way down to pen and paper. Use it all. Don't limit. Hey, you have to write it on this because you may not have a pen and paper when an inspiration comes to you. Use anything you can. Right? You know, use your voice memos. Use if you're at work and you can only send email. You can't get on your phone. Email yourself. Uh, use all the technology you can and don't be afraid to uh, get out of your comfort zone or don't even worry about other people's comfort zones. You might think, oh, people would think I'm this type of person if I wrote this type of song. Don't worry about that. Write it. Write it is the main thing. Keep on writing and, um, you know, just, uh, you know, like I said, with the brainstorming, let it all out. Don't edit yourself during the creation, edit yourself in post-production mm. of the writing the song. Uh, otherwise, you something you don't like you wrote in part A, put it on the page because when you're in part S, T, U, and V, you might go back to that and be like, oh, that didn't belong there. And now I'm going to change that up. Now it belongs in X, Y, and Z. But if you never wrote that down because you were ashamed or you thought it was ridiculous to write down, you may never get it at the end of your song that you wanted it and where it should be. Put no limits on how you should do this. And I like to talk about spiritual things. And I, you know, religion, whatever, meditation, prayer, religion. What I want to say is... Uh, I'm going to tie this in with how you should songwrite. They say that if you're trying to find yourself, uh, if you have a spiritual counselor, that spiritual counselor should never tell you what you should see or feel. They may help you along the path. Same with writing. Don't let anybody ever tell you how you should write. Learn the tips of what they think is good and bad, but don't let that be your governor. Don't let that be your limiter. Don't let that be your Bible. Nice. Do your own thing. Take into consideration uh, what they say, but don't let that limit you. Be the Bruce Lee of music. 
combine all these styles and not just styles of music, styles of writing, styles of recording, styles of taking things in, styles of listening, styles of uh, even writing down and repeating things and just, just, just write it down and look at it later or look at it now. <laughs> Do whatever you want, but just write it, create it. Beautiful. I like that. That's some good stuff for everybody to hear. Uh, so one last question. Oh, yeah. How do people find you guys? What we you got going on? Well, a couple things going on. Uh, uh, our CD release show, I think I mentioned this early, but I'll say it again. VZD, September 14th, 7 p.m., full bands, basic. Uh, we've been playing Oki Fests so far, but this is going to be the band's basic first, you know, big bar gig and uh, you know, CD release and the rise of the Raging Peacemakers. Yeah. We are Kenny Pitts and the Raging Peacemakers. That's what I'm talking about. And uh, we have uh, great openers, uh, Jacob Lee. Oh, nice. The Stillwater Cushing area. He's uh, he's great. And then uh, Ben Brock, you know, oh, hell yeah. he, he was on here. <laughs> uh, so they, they're going to open up acoustic song swap style and uh, they're going to be great. They always are. I'm honored that they... Uh, are going to play the uh, CD release show. So September 14th, VCDs. And then a couple days later, uh, kind of a, just happened last. Things are happening kind of quick and cool. We're going to play the Cobra in Nashville uh, on Tuesday, uh, September 17th. So uh, come on out to that. Everybody from Oklahoma, <laughs> drive yeah, that Tuesday way, night, man. quit your jobs. <laughs> and we're going to play with a band, local bands called Business Casual and uh, uh, Stephen Boswell. He's going to... He's nice. going to come out there. Uh, we're going to have a cool show, and hopefully uh, we're going to make a few trips back and forth. But we're, then I'm coming back the next day playing acoustic solo on uh, JJ's Alley on the 18th. I'm playing with Ben Brock and Bart Wilberg for the, Ben oh, Brock's yeah. Wednesday night. And then uh, it's kind of a cool week. We're going to play Rococo North Park, you know, the uh, restaurant North Park, uh, Bruce. He's the chef and owner down there. He booked us to come out. He liked what liked what we did, and we're gonna we're gonna play down there. So that's a you know gonna be a cool night. So that's where you can see us physically. Mm -hmm. But uh, online, you can catch us on uh, Kenny Pitts Music on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram and uh, Twitter, and you can look us up uh, KPRPM. That's Kenny Pitts and the Raging Peacemakers initials. Uh, go to our website, check us out. All those places and. Uh, you know, from Kenny Pitts and or Kenny Pitts and the Raging Peacemakers. You can find us anywhere. And uh, merch is coming soon. we got some shirts coming. Uh, we're going to have some uh, koozies and just a bunch of different things. And, you know, we're on YouTube. We're going to be putting a few more videos. We're just trying to, we're at the infancy stage. And we don't know what kind of kid this is going to be yet. But he's going to raise some hell, hopefully. Is that right? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Well, awesome, man! Thank you so much for coming in today. This was a, this was a really good day. I yeah. love this interview. Thank you, uh, I think it's going to be awesome. Thank you, World Oklahoma <laughs> and Beyond. Yes, sir. So you guys come out and see them on September fourteenth, and then one more thing. Yeah, I would like uh, since we're on the platform with a lot of local musicians, I'd love to tell you about Play It Loud uh, Outsiders Productions, my film crew uh, that, that I work with. We've been doing a local showcase on local songwriters and we're into our uh, fourth season filming right now getting ready to be released this thing is awesome too oh, thank you thank you and i just want to tell all the songwriters and musicians please go to the playitloudshow.com and watch it and also uh, submit submit yourself tell your uh, other bands to submit and just to be considered and uh, love to check that out and uh, come see the cd release show of kenny pitts and the raging peacemakers on September 14th, VZDs. Heck yeah. Yeah, you guys, check out Play It Loud. Please submit if you're a local artist. You guys, it's a really cool deal and it's something that's needed and they're putting it on a, putting us on a platform that we desperately need and it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And then, uh, yeah, you guys stick around and listen to my June. Thank you. Right after this, you get a sneak preview here and only here. Until September 14th. Um, so thank you guys for listening. And thank you, Kenny and Chad, for being here today. Thank you. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Mm -hmm.
comes and I'm just wasted Waiting on my chance to see her son Slipping into my dark depression And I wonder if my dream will ever come I wonder if my dream will ever come Giving Thanksgiving gifts but no midnight kisses I'm surrounded by Everybody's got their resolutions And I wonder if my June will ever come And I wonder if my June will ever come And I wonder where you are tonight And why And I always hoped you'd be 